Friends, I don't want you to feel sleazy when you think about marketing, when you think about sales. It is the last thing I want for you. This podcast, we are going to talk all about how to authentically hustle. What does that mean? I hope I have your interest peaked because I'm going to dive into my top tips now. New and seasoned OTs are finding their calling in pelvic health. After all, what's more ADL than sex, peeing, and poop? But here's the question. What does it take to become a successful, fulfilled, and thriving OT in pelvic health? How do you go from beginner to seasoned and everything in between? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are inspired OTs. We are out-of-the-box OTs. We are pelvic health OTs. I'm your host, Lindsay Vestal, and welcome to the OTs in Pelvic Health podcast. Such an important part of being a pelvic health OT is making sure you have clients, right? And this is a topic I am very passionate about because as, as OTs, we are innately good at building relationships. And that's all at its core marketing is. It's building relationships so that the people we want to serve know about us. So let's build relationships within our community with people who interact with our clients so they can send them our way. This is it. This is the secret sauce. I wanted to dig deep. So in preparing for this podcast episode, I reflected back to what I've done over the past 10 years with a functional pelvis, you know, what worked and what flopped in order to share my top tips in today's talk. We're going to talk about how to, what I say essentially is to authentically hustle. (laughs) The sales and marketing aspect is hard for so many of us, which is why I like to say the phrase authentically hustle. And what's authentic for me may be different than what's authentic for you. So after we discuss some key ideas today, I really encourage you to spend a few minutes brainstorming and jotting down some ideas that inspire you. What feels right for you? How can marketing feel less salesy? Here's the thing. Only you, my friend, can answer this question. But I hope that by hearing my stories, you will see that the authentic hustle is entirely possible. So let's go there now. Here's my first tip. Start getting your name known. When you have a strictly online business or if you offer in-person services, You should have an online presence that helps people meet you, get to know your personality and your brand. This means making yourself visible and showing up with consistency. It's important for you to be seen as the expert where your client or and your referring parties hang out. Here's an example of this in the virtual world. Join Facebook groups where your potential clients or potential referring parties are. So for me, this meant a doula face. Um, so for me, this meant a doula Facebook group for the New York City area, a perinatal connection networking Facebook group and in-person group, 
some popular fitness program Facebook groups, such as Restore Your Core, which I'm a certified teacher through, Mutu, etc. right? Join them. Listen. Listen to your client's needs and pay attention to the specific language they are using to describe their concerns. You can mirror their language and concerns back to them in posts. This will help them see that you get them. Now, you're doing this already. I know you are. I know you know that language is important. And so in your sessions with clients right now, you're already doing this. So take those same skills and carry them over to the online world. Once you're a fly on the wall and you start to see patterns with their language and how they're speaking about their concerns, then start to step up and be seen as the expert in the room. You are an expert in your area. Reply to their concerns with tangible, compassionate, concrete answers. And be consistent with showing up so they continue to see your name in the forums. Some ways to make this easier include scheduling something on your calendar weekly to review your top three groups. When you consistently relay tips and tools, you'll be seen as the expert and as a dependable source of wisdom. From my experience, you will see referrals from this. The same things apply to the real world. Let's talk about that now. So the goal in marketing your business is to make connections so that people, be it referring parties or clients who talk to their friends, think of you. Basically, you are top of mind when anyone mentions something remotely related to your specialty. And if you're like me, it's important to do this without being sleazy. Do you think there's a way to do this without feeling like a used car salesperson? Yes, there is. I did it, and so can you. So let's talk more about the fundamentals of authentic marketing. First up, marketing with practitioners. These meetings are so important. Of course, the goal is to get client referrals, right? But also, it's actually to increase your name recognition with them. My first year with the functional pelvis, I spent all my time marketing with practitioners, Friends, this was a slow year for me. Let me be clear. I heard crickets. I don't know if my business was going to last. I truly had no idea. Now, the next year, I changed my approach, and I spent most of my time marketing to the community. I was hosting workshops. I was participating in community fundraising events. This got my community talking, and word-of-mouth referrals spread. By my third year in business, those initial practitioners that I met the first year started hearing my name from their clients, and this helped to establish my company as a formidable presence. Name recognition means so much in marketing, especially with practitioners. I learned this the hard way, and it really drew out the process for me. So I recommend doing these two things simultaneously for an expedited experience. Focus both on name recognition within your community and the practitioners. The two will feed off of one another. Now, you can do this through direct and indirect contact. 
Indirect contact would be through social media, networking, and direct would be meeting with them in person or virtually through Zoom or Google Meetups. In these meetings, you have a couple goals. Here they are. Number one, establish yourself as the expert with your clients by learning about the practitioner. When you recommend them to your clients, you can include information about them that instills confidence to your client. Examples include, hey, did you know that Dr. Green, who I'm sending you to, also went to NYU? We actually graduated the same year. Or this massage therapist whose card I'm giving you, well, he actually attends mindfulness retreats every year. He really is a lifelong learner, right? You get the point. It personalizes the recommendation and it shows you care about sending your client to the best fit practitioner. Number two, glean info about their practice. You want to be able to refer to them when you have a client who needs their services, This will obviously help your client and remind the practitioner that you have their best interest in mind. They will likely return the favor when they have a client that needs your services. Number three, this includes taking it a step further, but I want you to interview them to see if they are a like-minded practitioner. To have a successful private practice, you actually only really need you listen to this, this really shocks most of my mentees. You only need three to five solid referring parties. You want to create a community with them. And this usually happens when your practice ethos matches theirs. When you're meeting with them, you get to feel out these type of things, the things that are important to you. So for example, there's an OBGYN practice that operated a lot more like a midwifery practice, in my opinion, in New York City. They strongly encouraged their pregnant clients to work with a doula. They spent time reviewing their client's birth plan, and they really stuck with it throughout their client's labor. They were one of the first practices in New York City to offer a gentle cesarean birth, and they held monthly meetups where a different practitioner presented it on a topic to us all. They had a reflexologist there every single meeting that they used to use during their client's birth, and this, re- this reflexologist provided reflexology to us during the meeting. It was awesome. They were out of network, which meant I knew their clients would balk less at having to pay out of pocket with me. I was a private pay business, so aligning with a similar ethos was important to me. Now, these are just some examples of how our communities fit well together. Think about your company's ethos. What is important for you, for your clients? What would an ideal referring party share in common with you? Like I said at the top of this podcast, write down some of your initial thoughts about this. These are truly what starts you to help you formulate your authentic marketing plan. All right, let's talk a little bit more about how to rock a practitioner meeting. I want you to remember that there's an important mindset shift here. All right. Gone are the days where we provide lunch or that we're begging our client for a referral in these meetings, okay? This is, this is no longer relevant or advantageous. I want you to remember that your referring parties can help you just as much as we can help them. This meeting 
It's all about being equals for the benefit of our clients. When you go into the meeting, you're thinking, how am I going to know if my client should be referred to you? You're listening for nuggets that you can glean about their office ethos and their approach. They should know after you leave the meeting the following. Who do you help in their community? How can you help their clients? How can they specifically refer to you? How can you refer to them? Who is their ideal client? How do they want to communicate about mutual clients? And last, do they currently refer to anyone for this same service? Okay, now let's move now on to the gems. Here are my insider tips for being in private practice for the last decade. Don't be afraid to ask clinical questions. Remember, you are interviewing them just as much as they are interviewing you. An example I have for this, there is a very prominent OBGYN on the Upper East Side who had this incredible C-section method. It was unlike anyone I had ever encountered. And when I did my meeting with this practitioner, I asked them about it. I said, I've had my hands on a lot of people's C-section scars, and there's something different about the way you are performing yours. Tell me about it. Or am I crazy? But I swear there's something different. She laughed and she said, oh my gosh, I can't believe you even picked up on it, but yes. And she went on to tell me about how her method was different. Honestly, most of what she shared with me went over my head. But the point is, she felt so seen and I felt so validated that I even felt this. That Let's say the answer was she had the same method. Maybe it meant that they did it better. They took extra time. It didn't matter. It flattered her. It was authentic. And it made a real connection between us. So it was a clinical question, right? And it got us going in the right same direction to serve our clients. Number two, definitely be prepared to answer the do you take insurance question. Now, this could be an entire podcast on itself. And my husband and I are actually forming an entirely separate business to help you, our audience, to form their own private pay business. So stay tuned for more information on this because this is such a valuable, rich discussion. One resource I can point you to right now is something called Private Pay MBA. It's our course that's going to be released very, very soon, all about how to start your own cash-based business. And we have a lot more resources coming your way as far as that concerned. But in the meantime, go to www.privatepaymba.com. Number three, remember to tailor the meetings to their client population. If you're going to a GI clinic, don't bring info about pre and postnatal people. Bring info about tips for dealing with constipation, proper pooping posture, etc. Number three, bring printed materials or a packet of info. These things will represent you a long time. They are so worth it. I personally created a script pad that I would bring to these meetings. It was one of the ways I circumvented the referring party from having to be reminded to write OT on the script instead of PT. 
and it had the added advantage of keeping our practice on the top of their mind. Last tip, remember to set a reminder on your calendar in a few weeks or a few months to call them back, ask them, do they need more of whatever you dropped off? Business cards, script pads, guidebooks, etc. Did you know that the third annual OTs in Public Health Summit comes with 1.6 AOTA-approved CEUs? Now, while the in-person event has sold out, you can still purchase the recordings for $100 off using the link that's in the show notes. We have a professional videography team coming in to capture every single moment of the summit, so it's the next best thing to being there. Pick up your $100 off tickets with 1.6 AOTA-approved CEUs by going to the link in the show notes. I want you to take a few minutes after each meeting to take notes. Decide how engaged were the referring party during the meeting and then think about how to follow up and make it personal. Refer to something you talked about during the meeting right? So one of one of the practitioners that I'm remembering right now, she was going to her daughter's graduation next weekend. I wrote her a personal note referring back to it, wishing the weather was beautiful, hope they had a beautiful celebration, right? Be memorable and they will remember you. Client-focused marketing. We're going to shift gears here a little bit. I'm hoping this is the part in the podcast where you start to sit up a little bit straighter in your chair because I know this is the fun stuff. Client-focused marketing is when we are in front of our audience, the people we want to serve. And as OTs, we innately love providing education, helping people find us who never knew we were out there. There are so many types of community events where you can do this. You can host your own You could be a guest speaker in someone else's group. You can offer free screenings like a ready for running postnatal screen or something similar that you're passionate about. You can host someone else. You can sponsor community events that contribute to causes you believe in. Every year in New York City, we had a Miles for Midwives event. Now, I personally gave birth to both of my kids in a midwifery practice, so I was exceptionally passionate about supporting midwives. This was a race that was a fundraising event, and after the race, the participants would gather where the sponsors had tables. I never missed an opportunity to have a table there. I not only built practitioner referrals, particularly from the midwives I was sponsoring, but I also got to spread the word about pelvic floor health to the community at large that came to participate in the race. A major win-win. You can offer Zoom classes yourself or you can co-host. The topic should be relevant to both audiences, could be sleep, nutrition, movement, etc. Find a way to make your work together provide value. Now, these kind of events are mutually beneficial because each of you are introducing your audience to your co-host. Of course, do your research ahead of time. Make sure it's a quality practitioner that you want to align yourself with. You can also find out where your ideal client is and meet them there. Moms groups, dads groups, parenting groups, gyms, birth professionals, yoga community, holistic practitioners, movement practitioners, support groups. 
And definitely don't forget to bring your printed materials. Something like my 16-page guidebook that you can get for free on my website, www.functionalpelvis.com. It's called Caring for Your Back, Core, and Pelvic Floor. In that guidebook, there's also a pelvic health checklist that people could give out as a one-page list at their workshops, which always helped me build my referring party network. Now, here's something that often shocks the people that my husband and I mentor when it comes to helping them build their own businesses. I want you to determine how your event translated into obtaining clients. Your goal is not to schedule, okay? The best way to evaluate your events is to not think of each distinct event as a moneymaker. I would consider my community workshops in Manhattan as successful if I got my expenses covered, meaning perhaps there was an event space that was donated, or if I did have to pay, the cost of the event paid for the snacks, etc. It was icing on the cake if I had a client who attended that called me. But guess how I really saw my return on investment? Even years later, I would get calls from clients saying, I learned about you from my friend who attended your workshop at the YMCA. I knew that even if someone wasn't calling me from the group who attended, they were talking to their friends and those conversations rippled through the community. These events spread seeds that blossom into a bustling private practice. And don't forget an additional benefit. You are seen as an active, engaged member of the community. I remember the very fondly the first time I had a client who came to me because she said she knew I would be a good teacher. I said, how do you know this? Like, what gave you that impression? She said that out of all of the pelvic floor therapists in New York City, I was the one who consistently held workshops. To her, this meant I loved to teach. I crafted this art and she wanted to work with a practitioner who was going to teach her not just heal her. I just got chills. I mean, that made such an impression on me. And not only was I doing the work that I loved by helping people understand pelvic health, but I was attracting my ideal client in the process. This is the type of seeds I'm talking about that you're planting as you work this way, this intentional, authentic marketing way. The goal is to connect with clients show them the value you can provide to their, to their life, and that your primary motivation is to help them get better. When you do that, scheduling will be the next logical step. All right, let's talk about the ask or the biggest mistake we can learn from. I hope I piqued your interest with that one. One of the biggest mistakes that I have made and I see my mentees make who are trying to start their own business is to get caught up in the busyness, getting the MPI number, designing the website, creating the social media post. I have news for you. This does not actually get the client to book with you. These are the prerequisites that you need to do in order to be a legitimate business, to have a presence, to create social proof. This will help influence their decision about whether or not to book with you, but it doesn't actually convince them to book. What does? asking them. You see, all those other things will make you feel busy. You'll get to check off another item on your to-do list. Doesn't that feel good? 
It sure does. But guess what? In my experience, the phone still doesn't ring. You actually need to ask your clients to book with you and ask your referring parties to send their clients to you. Now, I know, friends, this is hard. This is really hard. But in order to push past the discomfort, we need to confront some of our feelings about money, business, and self-worth. Does that mean you still aren't going to struggle with some aspects of this process? Likely you are, but it does get easier. You see why you are doing it. When you work with your clients, they reach their goals. And this is how you're going to help get to that next client too. You see, the thing that most entrepreneurs skip is the ask. It's the single most important bridge to building a thriving private practice. When you're on a discovery call with your client, don't just end the call with, I hope this answered your questions. Have a great day. Say something like, when are you available to book an appointment with me? Or I have an opening this week, Thursday at 2.30. Does that work for you? Or after you meet with a potential referring practitioner, actually take the leap and say, I hope you can see just how passionate I am about helping your clients. Will you send them to me? I promise to take excellent care of them. Thanks for listening to another episode of OTs and Pelvic Health. If you haven't already, hop onto Facebook and join my group, OTs for Pelvic Health, where we have thousands of OTs at all stages of their pelvic health career journey. This is such an incredibly supportive community where I go live each and every week. If you love this episode, please take a screenshot of this episode on your phone and post it to IG, Facebook, wherever you post your stuff, and be sure to tag me and let me know why you like this episode. This will help me to create in the future what you want to hear more of. Thanks again for listening to the OTs and Pelvic Health Podcast.